0: You ready? Hi, Neil. Hi, Becca. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Um, I've been a little bit preoccupied with something lately. Uh-oh. Okay, you know when you're travelling mm-hmm. and you bring a picture of your fake spouse and children? You know, right? Like that feeling? Yeah. And you know, like, when you pack that and then you also are like, oh, maybe I should bring a, a fake wedding ring? Oh. Uh- Okay, well, uh, all right, how about when you're going to go somewhere and you're like, oh, I'm going to learn the important vocabulary, like, like you know, where's the toilet, and like hello, and when you figure out how to order a beer, but with the cap still on it so you can, like, take it off yourself. Yeah. You know, in case some guy spikes your drink. Oh, no, I Not don't so much. know about that so much. Because the thing is, like, I'm sure you've experienced this, you get certain advice before you travel, and as a woman you get very particular advice, and mm. it's kind of been wearing me down a little bit. Okay. So I thought, what better way to alleviate my cynicism than to chat to a bunch of really cool women who've done some really amazing trips around the world and sort of ask them about their experiences of being women on the road, how they feel about like the, the solo female traveller label, and just try to kind of re-inspire myself because a woman on the road is just a person on the road and travelling is enlightening for everybody. Part of my job as an editor obviously i read and edit each section of our guidebooks and one section i've been preoccupied by lately is in our basics chapter we've usually got a section called women travelers now i'm usually pretty happy with it we give some solid background on the destination we mention any practical tips relevant to women traveling there and we try to avoid being too obvious or patronizing that said i thought i would just share with you little something from an old edition of the rough guide to kenya the way you look and behave gets noticed by everyone and they're more important if you don't appear to have a male escort your head and everything from waist to ankles are the sensitive zones particularly in islamic regions long loose hair is seen as extraordinarily provocative and doubly so if blonde pay attention to these areas by keeping your hair fairly short or tied up If you find it's too hot to wear a bra, it's unlikely to bother people. If you'll be travelling much on rough roads, however, you'll need a bra for support. Seriously. (laughs) No way! (laughs) So that made me wonder, how do intrepid women travelling today feel about being given that sort of advice? And are we, as a guidebook publisher, or anyone in the travel industry, playing into a single image of the solo female traveller, rather than representing the range and diversity of women who do travel. So to that end, I've invited three incredible women here who have travelled the world by themselves. Shocking, I know. We'll start with Jake.
1: Hi, my name is Jay. I'm a London-based travel blogger. I was born in Nigeria where I unfortunately contracted polio, but um, I blog about travelling with a disability and travelling as a black woman with a disability as well.
2: Um, And Rebecca? Rebecca? I'm Rebecca Lowe and I'm a journalist from London and I specialise in human rights and the Middle East and in July 2015 I spent a year cycling from London to Tehran going, th- going through as many Middle Eastern countries as I could along the way just in order to get to know the region better and to tell the stories of the people I, I met there and really to see it from the bottom up rather than the, the, the top down um, to sort of speak to the families and the communities and that kind of thing. Can you tell me a little bit quickly about the route you took? Uh, Yes, so I went through 20 countries. I went through Europe and the Balkans first and then I went through Turkey, uh, got a boat to Lebanon, then to Jordan, to Egypt, down the Nile to Sudan, Khartoum. Then I jumped from from Sudan over to Oman where I went to the the UAE and then got a boat from the UAE and worked my way up Iran to Tehran. Great, Amazingly uh, tight buttocks (laughs) at the end of it. (laughs) I'm sure, I
0: I won't inquire further. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and finally we have Rachel hello yeah uh, I'm Rachel
3: Mills I'm a travel writer I was uh, a senior editor with Rough Guides for about five years um, and then I went freelance 18 months ago um, in order to kind of travel a bit more and and work on my writing so I've been to uh, Vietnam to New Zealand to India um, and Ireland and actually England as well I drove around the north of England in my camper van for a month updating the guidebook so yeah that's me
0: what did you think about that quote from the old uh, yeah. Rough Guide to Kenya? It's really interesting. So talking
3: about sort of the, the book I'm editing at the moment, I just changed something and it's not that old. So it would only be the last edition, maybe two years ago. And it just said something about unaccompanied women should be wary of getting in a tuk-tuk a- at night. And it's a similar sort of thing that sounds like sensible advice, but unaccompanied that, you know, <laughs> that assumes that you're actually meant to be accompanied. And it's just a slight tweaking, you know, it's, Good advice if, if, that's, if that's an actual thing that you need to be worried about. But the problem with guidebooks, I find, is a lot of them back in the day were updated by, by men. Mm. Um, you know, older men, yeah. generally privileged, white, older men. Mm. And sometimes it's just a lot better coming from another woman. And what about you, Rebecca?
2: yeah i agree with rachel i think that sometimes it can come across as patronizing quite didactic you know you should do this whereas i think it's really a suggestion it's it's telling you about the the culture of a region and then leaving it up to you and that the tone is really important it's like you know you can give suggestions light, light suggestions about what a woman should consider and think about and the situation but leave it down to her to make that that decision herself so um yeah I think that that one slightly missed the mark that's uh, that you read out earlier
0: yeah a little so why travel by yourself why travel solo um let's start with Jay
1: um I like traveling by myself purely because you get to know a place and the people within it. Because I have, on rare occasions, traveled with other people. And what I find is, whenever you're traveling with another person or as part of a group, that's who you speak to, that's who you relate with. And then you don't really get to know the place apart from the touristy areas. I feel like you're missing out quite a bit when you're not able to talk to the locals or have a chance to. And the other perk for me uh, a benefit that I find of traveling by yourself is that you can decide when you wake up so you can decide to have Mm. a slow day a fast day where you see everything or a day where you don't wake up until one o'clock
0: I'm definitely with you on the last one yeah for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) um
0: how about you Rachel like where's your work updating rough guides taken you why do you like traveling solo
3: well I guess for me I often travel solo because it's for work um and since doing that that's when I realized that I actually really liked it and I do it more you know for pleasure now as well yeah I definitely getting to do what you want to do totally agree with that you know you wake up in the morning and you decide how you feel and oh god traveling partners are tricky there's only very specific people that I can travel with and and it's not even you know some of my, my best friends I would not want to be stuck with them 24 hours a day um you know you just have different things in common I absolutely agree with the fact that you don't talk to other people if there's two of you or a group of you you're really introverted and and yeah it's amazing to have backup and you bond and you have that different experience but I actually find that you really get to get to grips with a culture and with people when you're on your own because people talk to you and and you talk to them um yeah especially in work you know I have to I have to go and ask questions and do tours and things like that and it just gives you a whole other side. Rebecca how about you?
2: Yeah I mean I absolutely agree with, with what's been said already because I think when you travel with people I mean everything is a is a compromise and, and being quite a selfish person I just don't like compromising you know I like to do what I want to do and as Rachel was saying you know when I go for work and I'm doing journalism it's very hard if you've got other people around. I also think that when you're on your when you're on your own, you have to rely on yourself. You have to solve problems yourself. Um, you have to um, deal with everything that's, that's thrown your way. Which, and in that sense, it's it's much more challenging, but also much more exciting. So I sort of found, you know, on my on my cycle trip that I gained a lot of confidence from that because I think if I'd been with somebody else, you automatically rely on that person whereas i just found that you know i you have to solve every everything that comes everything that's thrown your way yourself and then you suddenly realize that you can you know you can actually you, you get through each day you sort of struggle through and you you ask people for help and people help you and, and just you have so many exciting adventures uh, from from those situations when you're forced to ask help people for help and forced to talk to people and it's a whole different experience from how it would be if you had someone there who was doing those things for you
0: have there been any moments when you've felt quite aware of being you know a solo female on the road
2: Uh, Yes, I mean, most of the time, I think. uh, I think there's always that awareness. I think being a a solo traveller at all, I think there's a sort of sense of awareness on your own, and that you always have to have this sense of vigilance. um, And I think you can never really relax. I think certainly on a bicycle, you know, you're, you always feel slightly exposed. And so you feel like you've got to have this level of awareness. And so it's sort of, it's really energising, but it can be quite exhausting at, at the same time. And I think as a woman particularly, um, you've got to have that sort of extra level as well of, of um, always being slightly on your guard. But what I realised, you know, when I was travelling, actually being a, a woman on my own, for me, I felt overall like in the, in the Middle East turned out to be more an advantage mm. than a disadvantage because I think partly because people think you are a bit more sort of fragile and vulnerable that they really want to look after you and so you know they definitely, you know they, they try to give you sort of food and help and you know they really want to talk to you and they 're really curious and uh, so I think it's it's as a woman it means you engage even more with people and people look after you even more, so I felt sort of safer in in a way. That's interesting.
3: I absolutely agree with that. That's um, in India, especially. And the, the thing with travel in India on trains is there's loads of families traveling together. And, it's often all the women will group together and the men will go somewhere else and you'll find just the the women are you know they're they're horrified first of all as to why you're traveling on your own and (laughs) not without 10 children where's your husband exactly um and they're intrigued and they're interested but that means they they come over and and they also want to look after you especially you know if it's getting close to evening i've i've been hijacked by women you know they they come on mass and they sit with you and they feed you it's almost like they want to help you even more. And you're
2: not a threat, are you? Like yeah, so if absolutely. you're a man they couldn't approach you. No, they they would no feel way. more uncomfortable. Whereas, you know, as a woman, yeah, you can get, get everyone yeah. wants to come over yeah. and and have a chat.
3: Yeah, some of my best conversations in India were talking to women and really finding out about their culture, you know, having really interesting chats about arranged marriage and and they would not have spoken to me that freely if I was a man. And I felt like I really kind of got under the skin of, of the place because they could be more open. Um, And you know, maybe there'd be a difference. Maybe the men would talk to a solo male traveling on his own, uh, and they'd see a different side of things. But uh, women in India—they're the best, anyway. Because you just want to—they just want to chat.
2: Did that affect your work? Though you were like, "Look, I'm here Um, to."
3: (laughs) You know what? Often, sometimes when you're when you're traveling, so if you're on a train journey, there's no Wi-Fi. You can't. You know, you can write a few (laughs) notes, but actually, really soaking up the character of the place goes a long way to help.
1: It's funny enough that you guys had brought up India, but the one time that I really felt aware of my agenda was when I was in India as mm. well. I was in Jaipur at the time and travelling by myself as per usual and I was hungry and I'd looked online to see somewhere that would be good. And there was this place called MK Hotel. And I thought it was a restaurant within a hotel. I was like, okay, cool, I'll get dressed up and then I'll go over there. Walked over there and then it turns out to be like this canteen setup. And I was like, um Okay, whatever, like, I'm still going to eat, like, I'm really hungry now, I've been walking all this way. And then I just spoke to the guy, I was like, oh, table for one, please. And then he gave me a funny look. And immediately, I mean, being a black woman as well, I was just kind of like, oh, racism. But that's not what it was. He kept trying to get me to go upstairs and sit upstairs that I'll be more comfortable upstairs. And then I pointed at my crutches. I was like, if I can sit downstairs, I can see loads of people sitting here. Why won't you let me sit downstairs? So then I was like, thank you very much. I go over and sit down, order what I want to get. And then as I'm waiting for the food to come over, I have a look around. And then I'm like, oh, wow, you know, everybody's Indian. I was like, okay, fair enough. I mean, I'm in India. So and then I noticed I was like, wait a minute everybody's a man in this yeah (laughs) in this particular spot the family room or you know like the visitor's room whatever it's upstairs so where you're dining by yourself with your family with your partner whatever but downstairs is where the tuk-tuk drivers would quickly grab a meal to eat and then go because their bikes are outside and then I was like that's how I ended up having dinner with 30 Indian men in India
0: (laughs) (laughs) um these are all great stories have any of you had any scary experiences while you've been on the road? And I'm going to start with you,
2: Rebecca. There was one incident that was particularly scary, which was in Jordan, in southern Jordan. And this is a, a Bedouin area. And definitely it's a very patriarchal society there. And uh, they have certain ideas of, of, of women and in, in, certainly in the more remote regions, not so much in the kind of urban mm-hmm. the, the cities and the towns. But I had... Ripped my tyres to shreds on some thorns near the the Dead Sea, and I was f- trying to flag down a a, a car, and uh, a guy came and helped me from from a hotel, and it seemed to be like a kind of normal thing to do because this guy was like, "I'll help you," you know, and so I thought, okay, it seems to be that you could f- flagging down cars is sort of quite reasonable and so I, so I, this car stopped, and i I got inside. It was this truck driver, and when I got in after a short while, he started trying to kiss me uh, and oh, then no. he started touching my breasts oh, um, yeah, and I was sort of stuck in this in this truck with him and I didn't really know what to do and I was really panicking and so I sort of went through, I, I had these practiced motions that I was going to go through so I showed him my fake wedding ring which is the first thing I, that I had on at the time and then I showed him my fake children which I had on my phone which are my brother's children as they were <laughs> trying to appeal to his sort of his uh, morals or religious sensibilities and then uh, that didn't work either so then I got out my very unfake knife which I had in, in my bag oh. uh, nice. just, <laughs> oh my I kind gosh. of just sort of wafted it near his groin as he was sort of uh, driving and uh, he sort of started gesticulating as though like are you going to stab me like making these sort of stabbing motions and then giving me the thumbs up going I'm a good guy
1: I'm a good guy. <laughs> well in, that was disproved a moment. Ago. Yeah well exactly yeah.
2: I'm not sure the evidence suggests that so uh, then he he did pull over and, and let me out and 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 I got out and it was all fine but I do find that you know I got myself into that situation and it wasn't Absolutely necessary, you know. I could have not hitchhiked, and uh, I think generally, as a woman, if you stay in sort of fairly public areas and there are people around, I mean, that was just one incident out of a whole year on the road. I mean, there was maybe a a couple of others which weren't quite that bad, Um, but I mean, generally, I have to say that that was an aberration. That I really did feel sort of safe most of the time.
0: Um, So, sort of female travel is a big thing right now. A lot of brands have kind of picked up on that. So. Um, One thing I think is very interesting, recently Intrepid Tours have started doing this women-only trip to, I think it's Iran, Jordan and Morocco. Um, And the reason for that is because there are certain spaces that only women can access in some parts of the world. So are there any points on your travels where you have felt that actually your gender has given you access to a situation that you might not have had otherwise. And, Rachel, you're smiling. Oh, no, I'm, well I'm, you. I'm,
3: smi- I'm smiling at the thought of that tour. I mean, what, like, 40 women en masse? You know, <laughs> it kind of sounds great, but it also, if, if you want to be a little bit inconspicuous and, and not have your gender define who you are when you're travelling, travelling with only women, I don't know, I, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me. Um, so you won't be booking one of those I, I don't think I will. Week. No, I love the idea of, of you know, being surrounded by <clears throat> women, No, I I think that would be even harder to get to know a place. Interesting, though, you can only access certain places if you're a woman. Normally it feels like it's the other way around, that whenever I've travelled I've often been barred from going into certain places, I mean, especially religious places, mosques and so on, that... um, you know you feel well, like with mosque, sub, sorry circa, but like yeah.
1: moss, it's segregated so you can still yeah. go in but you'll have like a different entrance a smaller place. one yeah exactly yeah.
3: um i was just thinking i went uh in this was in india again but it was just for travels for fun and i was in the north in the mountains and we trekked up to this beautiful uh, place we got there and there were these um caves where you could um bathe uh and we got there and it was stunning you know in, in the himalayas there's, there's snow and there's hot um hot water. What are they called? You hot know, springs. Hot springs. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And I was like, wow, I can't wait to get in. And then all the signs, uh-uh. the hot springs, the open ones were for the men and the women. We had to go into these dark, dank caves. It was still hot springs, but with no view. And we went in and there were women in there doing their washing. And it was, I mean, it was obviously it was hot water. It was moldy. Everything stank. And I got sick as a dog. I shouldn't oh have gone no. in. It's the only time I'm never sick in India, never. And and I, I came out and, all, you know, we, were, we only, it was me and another girl and we were only there for five minutes.
2: Um, well i don 't know about you guys, but I do find sometimes that as i mean it's it 's a shame that this is the case, but as a foreign woman that you often have access to places that local women don 't like you 're treated true, true, true. almost like an honorary man in, yeah. in some ways, so I found that though there were places like on my travels through the middle east that that i couldn 't access as a, as a woman but there were lots of places that the local women couldn't and I could. Like often, oh, yeah. like the men would invite me in to to smoke with them and, and to drink with them. And this is, I mean, these are things that local women would get really judged for. Mm. Um, and so in that sense, I thought, yeah, being a woman, for me, almost like you had the best of both Worlds, Even cycling, you know, local women weren't allowed to cycle in in a lot of these places. But for me, it was fine. And people sort of accepted it because I was foreign. And so I come from a different uh, culture with different values. And I'm not a threat to their society and and, and way of life. So um, I definitely... For me, as I said earlier, that it, I think it was beneficial being being a woman, and you know, so in in Egypt, I stayed with women who wore the the niqab, as as uh, some women do in Egypt, which is the full face covering, and uh, would never have been able to do that if if I was a man. And it was fascinating because, you know, you you in public you can't really speak to them very well because you do have this barrier. Whereas when you when I got into their houses and they all took off their their veils and they're you know just normal women and they're chatting and gossiping. And- and, and we, you know, we talked about all sorts of things, and like sex and relationships and and marriage and their work. And they were um, doctors; they were medical students and wanted to work for Medecins Sans Frontier and weren't really interested in sort of marriage. And I realized that I had had some preconceptions about what they would be like, <laughs> and they really weren't like that at all. Incredibly <laughs> independent, strong women. So uh, yeah, I think it it was really good, actually, being being a woman,
0: Rachel. When you were just talking about, you know sometimes when you're traveling you can't access spaces that men can access mm. do you find that ever affects your ability to update the guides or to write articles mm, in the only time I would say that that would be um
3: is, is bars there are um god I keep harping on about India but I think that's because it's the <laughs> it's the place that's been the the kind of biggest difference um you know everywhere else that I've been you know Vietnam and New Zealand, and it's really it's very equal where you can go. Bars, there are some really interesting. Basically, they're only for men, and um, you you wouldn't want to go in. I wouldn't want to go in. You know, I went into a couple of bars that did have windows. Um, and everybody stops, and it, you realise very quickly. I was really interested, you guys saying earlier on that you hadn't noticed that it was only men. You know, when you walk in, I'm so aware of that. When I but walk I'm around, really I'm like, oh... Though. See, I think I'm too <laughs> sensitive. I, I, I became so aware because I didn't want to be in the wrong place or doing the wrong thing, but bars, yeah, I, you know, there are bars in the guidebook that I should have been able to go in and look at and, and give a give an overview on, and I either wasn't allowed in or i definitely did not want to go in
0: jay
1: um i'd like to follow on with what was being said before like as a woman not necessarily a specific spaces where it's just women only but i find that people are more welcoming and inviting because and especially as a disabled woman like there's no threat with me i mean not that i would do something but if i was let's say a strapping able-bodied man for example you might not feel as safe with him as you would with me but um I agree with uh what Rebecca said in the sense that um certain places where locals ne- not necessarily could go that I was able to but that for me I think race would play a factor into that as well because in certain places and I've seen it myself like there seems to be a hierarchy. So the whiter, blonder you are, as you were mentioning actually at the first point, it is a thing. So blonde hair, blue eyes, you'll get the best treatment and then you'll work your way down. But then I find that it's not necessarily my race that helps me, but my um, privilege that I get with my passport, the privilege that I get with my money. So like when I was in um, Marrakesh, I went to some absolutely stunning restaurants, bars and whatever that I could only go to because I could afford to go to. And I noticed when I was there, the only people... There were also foreigners like me that came from the u k that came from the u s Canada, etc, that were able to afford places like these that um, locals weren't able to, but in terms of access, I find that um my gender at least to the places that I've been, hasn't blocked me, but it's actually my disability, so literally not being able to get somewhere mm-hmm. so yeah
2: yeah just, just to pick up that point about the passport, I think that's yeah. really interesting because I mean I just realized you know, on when I was on my bicycle and going through all these different countries, just what a privilege of having a British passport. I mean, it is like you're carrying kind of Willy Wonka's golden ticket. I mean, it's just incredible. And you realise that people are really just imprisoned by circumstance, by by their passports or or lack of. Um, And you can just sort of whisk in and out of these places with with this um, kind of incredible document. I think as a British person, you can access something like 173 countries without a visa. Yeah, And then if you're an Afghan, it's something like 24. You know, I mean, it's It's just... Paltry.
3: Did you have anybody ask you, I've had it happen a few times, about whether I could help them, whether I could speak to them. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And I I wonder whether that's, whether they think because you're a woman that you might be more likely to help.
1: I don't know, not to be that person again, but I've never been asked purely because unless I show my passport, I don't seem British whereas mm. you do so you're like yeah. okay you're more likely to like they would never ask me and I'm more likely to say yes no that's a lie <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just kind of like there's these presumptions and it happens you know like you see somebody who's like okay you're more likely to be from this part of the world these are the currencies that you're more likely to use this is how much money you're likely to have in your bank account because over here I'm just like your regular Jay but in certain places in the world like I'm a multimillionaire. so it's always <laughs> good to be aware of these dynamics that where you might not have privileges in certain aspects, you most certainly do in others. Mm -hmm. I had one guy in Jordan come over to me when I was cycling
2: past and he sort of beckoned me over. And he was so... Desperate to get uh, a visa to go to England, that he actually he he demonstrated to me that he could do the sideways splits on on oh that, just on the pavement in <laughs> oh front of God. me. He just wanted sort of, he just wanted it, and he could. It was quite remarkable actually. I was like, he deserves to get a visa for that
1: alone. <laughs> I can imagine you writing the letter. You won't believe it, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> he could do
2: the splits. Let this guy in. Um, yeah, but yeah. so people really will do anything. And, mm.
3: and marriage proposals. I've never been mm. so proposed to. It yes, makes, it makes me. Feel <laughs> very popular you know definitely and then you come home and you're like yeah. oh. <laughs> oh well fine
0: yeah. so how's traveling alone changed your perception of your own gender um and of, of how you're seen more more broadly
1: what i have noticed is that um travel has definitely opened up my world um my parents have very legitimate fears of me traveling as um a disabled black woman by herself like I give them itineraries like I message them when I'm at the hostel the minute that I leave when I'm at the airport etc because like I feel that even though with their fears and they're always ringing it into my ears even though I've been traveling for like over 10 years now that there's got to be a lot more to life than London and the underground and especially traveling the way that I do I feel it gives people not necessarily permission but it makes them see that it is possible to travel despite your gender, despite your race, despite your ability, despite your age, despite your um, sexual identity. So I mean, you do have to be um, conscious and aware of the cultural norms of where you're going to. But to limit yourself and not see the world, I think that would devastate me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. I, I definitely agree with that, and I, I think the, the interesting thing is that there's not actually that much to fear. Yeah, you know, for I, sure. I I am I think my parents are so open me travelling. They don't even know where I am half the time, <laughs> and and I but I find that my self reliance has really made me. You know, I try and be culturally aware, and I think about where I'm going, and I make plans, but I don't let it frighten me, or I, yeah. I try not to let it frighten me, um, because until you actually step out of the door and go places. I mean, the Middle East, looking at Rebecca, that's somewhere that probably does give me a few fears. And it shouldn't. I'm sure it shouldn't. Uh, I met so many people who, when I talk about my travels, so many women especially saying, oh, I really want to do that, I really want to go there, but, you know, I'm scared. I, we, we live in London. Yeah. London's scary. It's scary <laughs> yes, here. Yes, <laughs> and absolutely. we manage yeah, just yeah. as well every day.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I know so many solo female travelers. And I don't know anyone that has a real horror story of something terrible happening to them. Uh, so I do think the dangers are overblown. And I do think a lot of it is the fault of, of the media that you get because the media only ever reports the worst. You know, you yeah. only ever hear the mm. worst. And so you get a completely skewed sense of what the dangers are. and what, And that's the case in the West um, but it, and even more so you know, in, in, in other countries and particularly in the Middle East. And what I was struck by was just this, this overwhelming sense of fear. And it's also something that was so frustrating that the, the, the men would sort of perpetuate as well. They would pre- have this very overprotective attitude to the women. So it wasn't that they were sort of abusing the women, or so, you know, but they, it was that they were just mollycoddling. They wanted so like to patronizing. look after, <clears throat> hugely patronising. And the women would internalise this and sort of think oh it is a dangerous place out there I couldn't possibly sort of go out without a man by my side and and this was what you know this is the sort of thing that I think really needs to be broken down and it's not just in the Middle East it really is in the UK as well. Yeah I was about to
3: say that completely rings true for me for for the UK definitely not just being away just Mm. yeah that the the dads worrying about their daughters you know yes and so many so many do and it's cute I get it but God, let, let, let women go, let, let, them, me let them experience the world, yes.
0: Um, how do you feel then, given everything we've spoken about, about that label, the solo female traveller?
2: Mm.
0: Nothing is off the table, you can be very honest, I know I've been using it. What do you think about that, Rebecca?
2: Yeah, I do find it, it's a shame that we have to use it. I sort of understand why we use it um, and that, you know, there are certain things that women do need to perhaps be more aware of than than men. Um, Like, you know, in in your guides, you know, you might give sort of certain, uh, some advice about uh, how you dress and things like that. But uh, I would like, ideally, I suppose, down the line to get to a stage where we're just all solo travellers together and gender isn't an issue anymore.
1: Mm. Jay? I completely agree with you in the sense that I would like to reach a stage where we won't need it, but until men fix up, we're gonna need it. <laughs> That's all I gotta
0: say. And Rachel,
3: yeah, I think um, the thing that gets me the most at the moment is is, is female authors. You know, uh, travel authors especially. You always get tagged with the female bit. Why? Why is that mm. important? But, you know, thinking about the some of the books that I love and and you know tracks uh, i think it's robin robin davidson you know it, it's it's a book by a woman you know it's a book it's a book by an author it's a book by a writer and, and i just feel that's just getting patronizing you know it, it, it's 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 interesting but i don't need to be told that before i read it
0: okay and we're gonna move on to your final question where is next we'll start with jay
1: uh where is next more likely than not san francisco but i would love to go to Colombia.
3: Rachel? You know, I'm in a funny position at the moment. that I'm actually trying to travel less. Um, I know. <laughs> horror. I've always traveled really far. You know, this, at the start of this year, I was in New Zealand for six weeks. It's very disruptive. It's yeah. brilliant. But it, if I can do without it for maybe a little while, um, I want to explore what this country has to offer. And I think we miss it a little bit. You know, yeah. Scotland. Mm. I went to Ireland, um, kind of rural Ireland for the first time last year. And it was amazing. So more, more home travel. And Rebecca?
2: What I'm really hoping I can do, if I can get a visa, is go to um, Saudi Arabia and do a piece on women's rights there. So I don't know whether I'm going to get a a visa or not. It's quite hard. Uh, They've just started issuing, I think, tourist visas, and I don't know whether I can get a, a media visa or not probably but...
1: best to do it now while they're distracted by the world cup uh, Yes, <laughs> let's yes. to sneak in <laughs> yes, good although, idea. They, although they lost quite yeah, badly didn't, was, they? Yeah. They they spanked, spanked, yes, didn't they might be a bit miserable yes they did and that last goal f- oh sorry
0: God, women women talking about football <laughs>
3: Stop don't worry we'll, we'll cut
1: all of the sports <laughs> yeah. talk
0: guys well great thank you all so much this has been really enlightening and fascinating thank you all very much all right, thank you for oh, having nice me Thank you to our producer Alana from Reduce Listening, thank you to our MD Agnieszka and also of course huge thanks to the three women who sat down and chatted with me this week, Rebecca Lowe, Jay Abdullahi and Rachel Mills. You can find details about them in the description for this episode, please do check them out, they're all absolutely incredible women.